gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to my Two Cents Podcast, episode 61, which is entitled, They Don't Love Us. Now, before I get into the podcast topics, I want to give off the National Food Days of the Week. Today, February 13th, it is Tortellini Day and Italian Food Day. Tomorrow, Valentine's Day, it is Cream-Filled Chocolates Day. There is nothing for February the 15th, but on February 16th, however, it is Almond Day. February 17th, it is Cafe Alot Day. Friday, February 18th, Drink Wine Day. And Saturday, February 19th, it is Chocolate Mint Day. Now with the National Food Days out of the way, let me get into the topics for why I titled this whole thing, They Don't Love Us. And you will understand why as the topics are uh, being discussed. The first topic I want to discuss here is from the Associated Press as the title reads, Navy identified SEAL trainee who died after Hell Week. As the title, as the article reads, a Navy SEAL candidate who died just hours after completing the grueling Hell Week test was identified Sunday as a 24-year-old sailor who joined the military last year. Seaman Kyle Mullen died at a Chicago San Diego area hospital on Friday after he and another SEAL trainee reported experiencing symptoms of an unknown illness, the Navy said. The other sailor, whose name has not been released, was hospitalized in stable condition, the San Diego Union Tribune reported Sunday. The cause of death is unknown and under investigation. Both men fell ill just hours after they successfully completed the test that ends the first phase of the assessment and selection of the elite basic underwater demolition slash seal class. The Navy said neither one had experienced an incident or unusual incident during the five and a half day hell week. When I meant to say incident, the first time I meant accident. Let me say this right now. Why are you having your people go through hell week for this? I understand you got to put people through some excruciating training because everybody can do a certain task that they want to do, per se, okay? But why call it Hell Week? Why call it that? Because once you entitle something Hell Week, people are more destined and determined to try to get it done. I understand again. You want to push your people to the furthest that they can go, to their limit, if you will. But I believe that's hazing. I believe that's hazing to the utmost that utmost of hazing, if you will. Hazing, and I'm putting this in quotes here, has been prohibited from college campuses. Sororities and fraternities are not allowed to haze any students, but every year after year, somehow, there has been a hazing incident which will almost result in somebody dying or either being hospitalized. Every year, without a failure, There's always one. This is the first time I've ever heard of Hell Week of any type of military, uh, army-style 
situation. And people are gonna say, Gerald, there's a difference between the Navy, Army. I'm just saying people in the service, people that are representing the government, people that are representing the country in the service that's supposed to be protecting the American citizens, people like myself over here on land. Let me say this right now. I do appreciate you. Let me start off right there. But why put people through hell week? Why put people through all these excruciating circumstances that some of them aren't going to be able to make? I understand it's supposed to be used to weed out people. I get it. But once you start seeing people crack, ayo, call it off. Sometimes you have to be somebody's bigger brother, somebody's guardian angel, somebody's mentor. Tell them, uh-uh, this ain't for you. I'm cutting you now. We're not going to do this right now. You can try again later. Get your, You can start teaching them how to build up their endurance for something. Something of that magnitude. You don't have to have them go through hell week. You can tell somebody has the burning desire to want to do it. Yeah, sure. But here's the deal. You got to stop them. You have to be their advocate for them. You have to be, in a sense, you have to be their mother and father at that situation. Or you have to be their brother or sister at that point to stop them so they won't be dead. They won't push themselves to the point that they're basically going to die. This guy, Kyle Mullen, he's dead right now after going through hell week. And he experiences symptoms unknown for an unknown illness. Listen here. Again, please, for the love of God, if you see someone going to do a task that, yeah, sure, they want to do, and you see them struggling to do it, please help them out. Please stop them from doing the task. Please Throw in the towel for some of them because you know what? You're saving their lives. I know they might be upset with you at that point, but here's the deal. They're there for a reason. That person's doing this for a reason to save you. Let me give you guys a little story right now. Two weeks ago, I went to the gym because I had time to kill because I usually go to the gym as soon as I get like parked my uh, vehicle at the college. I go to the gym. Without fail, I'll always go to the squat squat racks now. At one point, I didn't go to the squat racks, and this is what I'm getting here. I did my exercise. I did everything. I did lifting weights. I did all this type of stuff. And then the last thing I wanted to do was squatting. And I went over to the squat rack, and I had three 45s on each side, and then I put like a 15-pounder also on each side, so it was 345s and a 15 on each side, I go to lift it up, usual is always a little bit of a struggle for the kid, but I'm always able to hike it up on my shoulders, hold it, and then start doing the squat business, now, out of my eyes, I can see somebody about to stand behind me, and I don't know if they see me kind of not trying to hold it all the way up on my shoulders, they see me like like, wobbling with it, I don't know, I'm in the zone, I'm doing what I'm doing with the squat rack here, and I do my 10, and I start walking with it, now I'm starting to feel a little bit of the effects, and I start trying to put it back on the uh, shelf, I'm able to get one side, and then I start trying to get it on the other side, and I'm starting to hesitate a little bit, then I see one of the workers that are there go, like, put his arm on the other end of that bar and he lifts it up right there and I say thank you and he walks away 
And I'm upset. I am pissed. I am fuming at myself because I know I could have put that up by myself. And I even talked to my brother in the car because when we went home, me and him usually have these conversations. We usually talk anyway. And I talked to him and I mentioned the situation. I said, man, I was fuming. I didn't want, at that moment, I wanted to shove him and say, don't ever do that again. But I understand why he's there. I understand why the worker's there because they have to look out for you because, again, that's part of their job. They're there to look out for you. I was upset. I didn't want nobody's help. I knew I could do it. Just give me the time. I know I can do it. Looking back at it now, I'm able to understand. I'm able to have the gratitude because now the first thing I do now every single time without fail is go to the squat rack, get that out of the way, and then I'm able to do everything else so I can say that I don't need nobody's help ever to put that thing back up on the freaking rack. But now I know what to do. That one moment made me click and made me change how to do everything else. Go to my uh, exercising and doing everything else differently. Which lead me back to this. Somebody needs to be somebody's protection. Somebody needs to be somebody's guardian. Somebody needs to be somebody's, uh, just be their elder statesman or just be a, their protector or be their advisor, or whatever the crap you needed to look after you. For this guy, Kyle, he did not have that in my, in my ideology, in my own thought process, because why would you have somebody go through hell week? It still doesn't go through me. It still doesn't go through my mind. How did somebody die just doing this? It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I get it's a program to weed out people. It's a grueling task. I understand it. And it says right in the statistic, 50 to 60% don't make it through hell week. But listen, dude, it's just weird. Kill that whole hell week stuff out. Just pluck some people. Somebody said they want to join the Navy SEALs. Guess what? Test them in certain ways, but then when you see somebody not doing it, hey, call it immediately. Nope. You're out of here. And be like, listen, here's how you build up your endurance to this and that, blah, blah, blah. And you can come back and try to take it later, try to be a SEAL later. But it's just a shame that this guy had to die. He was, I believe, 24 years old. It's just, again, another kid that didn't get to live out his whole entire life. He was 24. That is young. I'm only 25, about to be 26 in May, but again, extremely young. You haven't started life life like that yet. I just want to say I want to wish, uh, wish Kyle Mullen's parents uh, condolences. I do feel sorry for you guys to have to get in that phone call, and I do feel sorry for you. I truly do. And people in the military, people in the forces, whatever you want to call it, for love of God, if you see somebody struggling, please help them out. If you see somebody want to try to do something, hey, again, help them out. Tell them how they could do it. Tell them how they could build their endurance up. Tell them what they need to do to accomplish their goal. Because guess what? It's not hurting you if they accomplish their goal. It's going to hurt you if they don't uh, make it to see another day. Because guess what? You just lost another army brethren or sister. It's just, it's, it's just a shame. That's all I got to say for that. But again, Rest in peace to Kyle Mullen, and I wish that uh, you were still here. I really do. It's a shame. A 24-year-old dying because he went through hell week. It's uh, ludicrous. Anyway, on to the next uh, 
topic in. It's another Associated Press topic. And the title reads, Long Expert. Officers could have saved George Floyd's life. Again, we're still going with the office, the three officers, the three former officers that are charged with uh, violating George Floyd's civil rights. They're still doing their, they're still doing their whole uh, court situation. And the article states George Floyd could have been saved if Minneapolis police officers had moved him into a position to breathe more easily, and his chances of survival doubled or tripled. If they had performed CPR as soon as his heart stopped, a lung specialist testified Monday at the trial of three former officers charged with violating Floyd's civil rights. Floyd died because his upper airway was compressed by Officer Derek Chauvin's knee while his position on hard absalt with his hands cuffed behind his back as two other officers helped hold him down. Did not allow his lungs to expand, Dr. David Sistrom said they restricted, well, that restricted the flow of oxygen and raised carbon dioxide levels in his bodies. David, a critical care physician at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, said at the federal trial for the three officers, oxygen delivered to the heart and brain is critical to survival, David said, later calling Floyd's death an eminently reversible respiratory, well, respiration failure event. The trial is in its third week of testimony after it was suspended last week when one defendant tested positive COVID-19. The judge has said the trial could take four weeks. This thing shouldn't take four weeks. We all know what's going down. Again, this... Oh, my God. Why does it take four weeks to know what went down? We all know these guys are going down. We all know these guys are going to be guilty. Why are we acting like we don't know what is going to happen? These three men know what's going to go down. They're going to be found guilty. If they don't be found guilty, you know what? There's no if they don't. They're going to be found guilty for this. We just got to know and wonder, okay, how many years they're going to be spending inside a jail cell. Again, this still goes along with this. This is their third week. It said four weeks. It doesn't make sense to me. Again, they don't care about us. It, it, it falls in line with that. I'm getting tired of seeing the justice system play people like they're dumb and play people like they're stupid. I understand there's no, there's supposedly be a thing where it's guilt, innocent until proven guilty, right? That's usually the argument for argument's sake, where any type of thing, you're always innocent until proven guilty. Listen here, Derek Chauvin's whole situation, he got found guilty. He got found guilty off rip whenever a video showed up and everybody saw exactly what happened. He was already guilty because your footage... Or you putting your knee on somebody's neck, ta-da, it was there. There was no way that somebody was going to find you not guilty for that. If they did, again, it would have been completely uh, new to everybody else. Because everybody would have questioned how on God's green did this guy get off with killing somebody like that. But as we all saw, that wasn't the case. And we all saw in the video that they had officers back there that could have did something. And apparently these are the officers here. We all know what's going to happen with these officers. They're going to be found guilty. They're going to spend some time in jail. Why are we acting like we don't know they're going to be found guilty? Why are we acting like we got to have a trial for this? Why are we acting? This is called acting, ladies and gentlemen. I don't like when the court plays this whole acting game out to the public and now... Everybody's got to sit here and be like, oh my God, what if they get found not guilty? Oh my God, what? No. 
These guys are going to get found guilty. They're going to spend some time in jail. It's just called how long they're going to be spending time in jail. That's all it is. Get it done. So they can go spend their time in jail and we won't have to cover this type of news and people like myself won't have to look at it and be like, oh my God, they're still doing this? Just get it done with. We all know what's going to go down. Just please get it done with. On to the next topic and it's from CNN. As the subject reads, white father and son charged with, well, charged for chasing and shooting at black FedEx driver. As the article reads, two white men are facing criminal charges after a black FedEx Express driver alleged that he was chased and shot at while delivering packages in Brookhaven, Mississippi. When he called police to report the shooting, he says he was told by the dispatcher that they had just received a call about a mysterious, well, a suspicious person at the same address. D. Montero Gibson, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, my guy, D. Montero D. Montero Gibson, 24, told CNN by phone he was delivering packages to a home around 7 p.m. on January 24th when he saw a white pickup truck coming from the house behind it. The truck started approaching Gibson and blowing the horn at him, Gibson said. The van Gibson was driving was a Hertz rental van that had two large Hertz stickers on the back, Gibson said. Gibson's attorney, Carlos E. Moore, told CNN that Gibson was wearing a FedEx jacket shirt and pants but the vehicle had no fedex markings gibson said he told he thought he was in the truck's way so he tried to leave but the truck swerved around him and tried to cut him off at that point my instincts kicked in and i swerved around him as he is trying to cut me off to avoid getting stuck in the neighborhood he said gibson said he drove down the street about two or three houses when a man in the middle of the road, pointed a gun at his vehicle and was mouthing and waving at Gibson to stop. Gibson said he shook his head no to indicate he wasn't going to stop and then hid behind his steering wheel while he swerved around him. That's when Gibson heard at least five shots and heard the bullets hitting the van. According to an incident report filed January 25th by the Brookhaven Police Department after officers met with Gibson and his boss, as he was leaving the neighborhood, Gibson said one of his managers called and he told the manager someone was shooting at him. She told him to get back to the station as fast as he could. The truck, now with both men inside, chased Gibson out of the Brookhaven into the interstate, Gibson said. According to Alpha Davids, Gregory Chase, well, yeah, Gregory Case was driving the truck chasing Gibson and Brandon Case was the man in the street pointing the gun at Gibson. Brookhaven Police Chief Kenneth Collins confirmed to CNN that Gregory is Brandon's father. Brandon Case was charged with felonious attempting to cause bodily injury with a firearm and a deadly weapon by shooting at an occupied vehicle with Gibson inside, according to an affidavit provided to CNN by the Brookhaven Municipal Court signed January 31st. Gregory Case was charged with unlawfully and feloniously conspiring with Brandon Case to commit aggravated assault by attempting to cause bodily injury to Gibson, the affidavit signed February 1st states. Vicki McGee, dispatch supervisor for the Lincoln County Sheriff's Department, told CNN the cases were booked and bonded February 1st. Brandon Case's bond was $150,000 and Gregory Case's bond was $75,000, McGee said. In a statement to CNN, 
Moore said he thinks Gibson was targeted by the cases, both white men, because he is African-American. He was simply doing his job as a FedEx driver in full uniform when he was chased and assaulted by gunfire. Moore added, we believe that they should have been arrested in charges, and the charges need to be upgraded from conspiracy to shooting into a vehicle to attempted murder, because if the roles were reversed and he'd done this to them, he would have been immediately arrested for attempted murder and gone to jail that same night. He wouldn't have been allowed to wait a week to turn himself in. CNN has reached out to attorneys for Brandon Case and Gregory Case, but has not yet heard back. See? This right here. This is another reason why I was tired. They don't they don't love us. They do not respect us. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are black and if you are in America, for the love of God, how many times have you heard something like this? How many times have we have read something like this? How many times have we seen something like this on the news where white people are chasing after a black person? This, it, uh, I'm going to state this right now. This is Black History Month, and this has been one of the months, one of the times that I'm out of my whole life that I feel this isn't Black History Month. I don't... I, I'll get more to that in a minute. I'm jumping all around here. Because you, because I feel in my heart of hearts, my soul of soul. This type of thing constantly happens to us. Constantly. How are these two redneck hillbillies? Because boy, oh boy, if you see their mugshot, and this is no disrespect to my redneck hillbilly people, because, boy, oh boy, I love everybody on this planet. But I'm just saying, they're the stereotypical redneck hillbillies if you see their mugshots. They, it is what it is. All right? How on God's green do we allow and say this is okay? They are charged with conspiracy to commit bodily injury with a firearm? Uh, what? They're... Com they're <laughs> They are arrested for committing aggravated assault by attempting to cause bodily injury? Where? Where? No, that is called deadly, ladies and gentlemen. Shooting somebody isn't bodily injury. That's not that. No, that is deadly injury, ladies and gentlemen. That is fatal injury. Have you ever heard of a bullet hitting your skin? There's only one or two ways we can go about this out there, eh? You are dead on the spot, or either B, you have a fighting chance, they take you to the hospital, we see in the movies, we see television, we heard testimony from other people, you get shot, you go to the hospital, A, they get bullet fragments out of you, certain bullet fragments might be in you, but you have a chance to live. Where do we do that where we are allowing two people that were trying to kill someone to go to jail and say, well, they were trying, well, they were attempting to cause bodily injury. What? With the firearm. No, 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 no. They don't love us. By God, they don't love us. It makes no sense to me how we allow this to happen. This thing should be bigger news and I mean hitting the news everywhere. ABC, CBS, I mean NBC is already on CNN, so I was you can't yell out to the CNN. CNN's doing their job. It, it is out here. It's rolling. But I haven't heard this case on not none of the three other sites. Me personally. 
I probably could have missed it. I'm saying for what I've seen, I haven't seen it. Okay? So, that's just me. It's just baffling to me. Oh, yeah, Apple, you didn't show this up. But, again, you probably have to wait until it's about a court date to happen. And it'll be mega news. So, I'm not going to get on you, Apple, for that. Again, I respect you. But I wish that you guys just kind of would get a little bit more on the side of certain situation and topics again. Getting to the point here with back on topic. How do we allow this to happen? How does the American justice system allow this to happen? There's deep-rooted issues within the American justice system that black individuals know about, obviously. It's an obvious thing, and it's going to constantly and constantly happen. Why do it continue to happen? Well, because it's a part of the American system. It's ingrained into the American system. It's never going to change in the American system. It is what it is. It's been built up this way since black people have, well, I'm not going to say, well, yeah, I'm going to say it since they were kidnapped and brought here. It's been that way. We have always been the target for anything and everything. And now we're starting to see it slowly turn around and slowly is starting to see other people doing things towards us and it being on camera and now they're getting harassed, they're getting criticized, they're getting all these type of things towards them, and I appreciate people being our allies and people actually sticking up for us, I appreciate it wholeheartedly, I truly do, never, never ever forget that, because you know what, without allies, guess what, we are nothing, we are only us, and guess what, America don't treat us that well like that, they treat some of us well, if you got money, and if you have connections, which again, for a lot of us, and when I say us, I mean black individuals, when we got money, some of us are stingy with it. And when we have connections, boy, some of us are stingy with that too. We ain't trying to give out money. We ain't trying to give out connections. We just want to keep it all within the exact same chamber. No more, nonetheless. I'm appreciative of my allies that are coming around and helping us get our just due. Giving us the credit, whatever the credits are. It's giving us the help when we need it. And you know that we need it because, again, America doesn't treat us well. I need it to happen with this right here. I want you guys to go out there and start saying it to the top of your rooftops. Saying it to the top of your throats that, yo, these guys need to be charged with attempted murder. There's no way that these two should be out here. Well, they're not. They're in jail. But there's no way that there should be just get a petty thing like that. I consider that a petty situation, a petty crime. How are you going to say that's a felonious crime? How are you going to tell me that these guys are only getting these little things, which is basically a felony for attempting to commit bodily injury with a weapon, but you're not going to give them attempted murder? They shot at somebody five times in a vehicle. The vehicle is still there. I'm pretty sure the vehicle, somebody took Photos of it at the company of the freaking van with gunshot wounds in it. I'm pretty sure somebody got the phone record of him calling into his job and saying, hey, I got shot at. And the manager telling him, hey, drive back, drive back to the station. Somebody has that. And the police need to take care of it. Go there, grab it up. Hey, yo, we got to up these, these two uh we got to up it. There's no way we just allowing that type of stuff to go down and just let out to happen. It's it's not it's not possible to me. It's not it's not right to me. This 
guy deserves a lot more respect than what he is getting from our justice system. It doesn't make sense. And again, another 24-year-old, De Montero Gibson. Again, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, my guy, but he's a 24-year-old. He could have died. He could have died over somebody doing something stupid. For what reason? We still haven't gotten the reason why they were doing this. We still haven't gotten the reason why. It makes no sense why a lot of these idiots do this. And I have to say idiots because I'm trying to refrain myself from saying another word here. Because boy, oh boy, I'm being trying to be a better person every day on my right path that I'm walking on, you have to be better. You've got to be better than your enemy. So I'm trying to do that here. How could you allow these two white guys to just get away with this? Get away with that with a low bond of $100,000 for the son and $75,000 for the old man. He was driving the vehicle as the son was in the road. Come on, what are we doing? What are we doing? Somebody, please tell me something. I'll be waiting. This is what I'm going to be watching. Again, there's a lot of people that I'm watching. There's a lot of situations that I'm watching, and I just want to just see what's going to go down. There's a lot of things I'm keeping my eyes on. Again, this is one of them. We're going to see how this plays out next week. Hopefully, I have an update for you guys, and hopefully they up these two guys' charges, but we shall see when the time comes. On to the next topic, USA Today, as the title for their subject reads, Wendy Williams loses access to millions of dollars. Bank alleges she's been exploited. As the tie, as the article reads, talk show star Wendy Williams is at risk of defaulting on her mortgage and leaving her employees without pay after Wells Fargo's advisors froze access to her accounts, according to court documents. While the money manager said... It believed Williams, 57, was being financially exploited. Williams has filed a petition in New York State court asking a judge for an injunction that would give her control again over accounts worth several millions of dollars. Until Wells Fargo reopens my personal business, my personal business, deferred compensation, and investment accounts, or freezes my financial assets, my family and I are at risk of suffering continued irreparable financial harm, Williams said in court papers. The legal battle over her finances comes as Williams is struggling with medical issues. Producers reportedly have plans for her series to move on with a new host. Williams last appeared on the Williams show to close out its 12th season on July 2021. In her petition for an emergency injunction filed February 4th, Williams' lawyers said the talk show host lost access to her accounts after Wells Fargo's financial advisor, Lori Schuler, said Williams was not able to manage her finances. Williams filed Lori an alleged improper conduct in the professional relationship, the court papers said, but Wells Fargo has continued to deny Williams' access to her financial assets and statements even as bills are coming due. In his response, Will Fargo said regulators have increasingly urged financial companies to beware of possible exploitation of their clients. It froze Williams' accounts because it had reason to believe Williams was the victim of undue influence and financial exploitation according to court documents. 
Wells Fargo said the financial advisor has an unblemished record over a 23-year career in notice telltale signs of exploitation, including Williams' own apprehensions, court papers said. Wells Fargo's priority is the financial well-being of Ms. Williams and the preservation of her privacy, the company said in a statement. As we have expressed to the court, Wells Fargo is open to working with Ms. Williams' counsel to release funds directly to her creditors for bills historically and regularly paid from her accounts. Again, here's the deal with this. I don't think the bank should be giving, like, you know, we got to shut it down. We can't give you access to your stuff. The only time you should be able to do, the only time the court or a bank should be able to do that is if it was a spouse on there and now you guys are both separated. Now they should be able to freeze the accounts until you guys go to court and get that type of stuff separated because if one person from uh, this now split couple get into the account and they take all the money out of it, they can say legally his name was on the account. He could take all the money out. There's nothing that we can do. See, but with Miss Williams having her name on the account, and this is all her account, the bank shouldn't have nothing to do with this. If she wanted to blow all her money, hey, it is what it is. She fired her representative from Wells Fargo. There's nothing that Wells Fargo legally can technically do. They should not have no control over her account at all. Miss Williams, Miss Wendy Williams, should have her account, have control all control of her accounts. I understand that sometimes the banks are looking out for your best interest. I get it. I truly do. Because you know what? Sometimes the banks know who you are, especially when you've been banking with a certain bank and literally at a certain location and you go there all the time and you know some of the employees, they know you, especially when you being a talk show host like Miss uh, Wendy Williams and especially with your type of problems being out there to the whole entire world like her problems were. Everybody knows you. So... If you've been banking with one bank for so long and you have a business with this uh, business uh, relationship with this person for so long, these people are going to know your business. These people are going to know your how much you make, what time your uh, bank checks supposed to be rolling in. They will know, okay, this and that. They know what to call you, like, when something looks suspicious. They know all these type of things, like, okay, this person goes to here, here, here. I can look at their account and be like, all right, that seems like the natural thing that they do. But whenever somebody goes to a different website or something and then they don't, and it doesn't look right, yeah, they can kind of stop it or they can give you a text message or a phone call and say, hey, there's some suspicious accounts, suspicious thing going on to your account. Hey, was this you? I can see that from a person working at the bank calling up. I can see that. Shoot, there's been times in my family's lifetime whenever uh, my parents have to go out somewhere and they uh, go out to a different state because they had to go out and take care of some family business or go out and go on a vacation or something. And they will call me up and say, hey, yo, something's going down. The bank froze my froze our stuff because we didn't let them know we were going out of the state. Again, when that first happened, I was completely uh, startled by that because I tried to figure out, like, okay, how can a bank freeze your account? That doesn't make any sense to me. And then I think my mother broke it down to me after she got into contact with the bank of why they do it because they afraid that somebody's going to they're afraid that somebody in another state has your account stuff. They're using it to buy this or buy that, yada, yada, yada. And I said, oh, okay, well, they're being safe. Okay, cool, fine, whatever. 
So now we know, okay, yo, we got to inform the bank. So, yo, we're leaving out of here, blah, blah, blah. Yes, it's a hassle. Yes, sometimes we don't want to do that. But we know that, hey, yo, we got to inform the bank so we will get our cards, like, stopped completely because that's an embarrassing situation at any spot, whether you're going to get gas or uh, you're buying food or you're getting clothing or whatever. You're just in line. Your car just stopping. It's completely embarrassing. It makes it look like you are completely poor. You're out of money. It's not a good feeling. For Miss Williams, I don't know how I will feel. I think I'll be pretty livid. I know that off rip. I'm just saying I don't know how livid I'll be feeling. I don't know if I'll be catastrophically at a 10, want to call up the bank and cuss out everybody, or I'll probably be at a 4, where I'm just wanting to grab a ball and just start squeezing it, throwing it at something, and then just start, okay, calming myself down, collecting myself, and going to the bank and say, hey, yo, you guys need to reopen my stuff. See, it all depends on who you're dealing with. Ms. Williams, she was always on television. I haven't seen her get angry like that. So I don't know how angry she could technically get. But whenever money comes into play, oh boy, money is money. You don't play around with people's money. You don't hold off on people's money. You don't stop them from making money. And that's what you're doing. You're stopping Wendy Williams for paying her bills. You're stopping her from paying her employees at her television show. You're stopping her from paying her mortgage you're stopping her from doing a lot of things. How can you stop somebody? Come on now. If you have a feeling she's going to be, she's being exploited. Yo, listen, you talk to Wendy Williams, you get, you ask her mad questions and da, 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 da. And then you give her her accounts. There's no more you guys can technically do. I don't like that the court is getting into it because, uh, Miss Williams is asking for her money to be unfrozen because she wants her money. You guys can't do that. That's not, that's not part of the situation. Again, she isn't out of the country. She's taking care of her situation. She's if she was out of the country, let me tell you something. Inside this thing that I read, they would have said Miss Williams out of the country. We heard about certain type of purchases being purchased overseas and all that yin yang stuff, but that didn't happen. So that informs me that Miss Williams is still inside the country and still more or less probably still inside New York City. So guess what that means? She's around her natural basis. She's around her natural home. She's around her natural spots. So there's no reason why they are not giving Miss Wendy Williams control of her business, personal, her investment accounts, and every other account that she has. Yo, give it up, Wells Fargo. Listen here, you guys can't do that. Give it back to her. Seriously, give it back to her. It's not cool. It's not fine. Don't make her go to court just for her to get her money back, and in the end, you're going to give up back her accounts. It's, you're making her basically pay lawyers. You're giving lawyers a free payday. They're already getting paid already for being on retainer or being underneath Miss Williams', Williams uh, thumb already because, obviously, she goes through a lot of court situations, probably where people send in her defamation stuff because of what she said on television or whatever people want to still try to get back at her from all her time on the radio. I don't know if that's statute of limitations then, but either way, I'm pretty sure Ms. Williams has a whole lot of court cases and a whole lot of things that she just sends to her lawyer so they can just get thrown out and they get paid for it. Don't have Ms. Williams pay her lawyers another red dime because of this. I understand they do their job. Congratulations. But again, this doesn't need to happen. Ms. Williams needs to have her business account. She needs to have everything of hers. Please give it back to her for the love of God.
I want to read you guys something here, if you would uh, indulge me. This comes from the USA Today. The title reads, In raid that killed Amir Locke, Minneapolis police insisted on no-knock search warrant. As the article reads, the SWAT raid that killed Amir Locke in Minneapolis last week was not going to be executed as a pre-dawn no-knock search warrant until the Minneapolis Police Department insisted, according to the St. Paul Police Department. Locke 22 was fatally shot by police on February 2nd after being awoken by officers while sleeping on the couch in an apartment belonging to a relative's girlfriend. He was not the target of an ongoing homicide investigation, according to a newly unsealed search warrant requested as part of a St. Paul Police Department homicide investigation. St. Paul Police initially requested a more typical knock-and-announce warrant per their policies, but the, that warrant, which was to be jointly executed while Minneapolis Police Department SWAT team was never executed, instead a separate warrant that included both nighttime service and a no-knock was drawn up. It was approved by Hennepin County District Court Judge Peter Cahill. Minneapolis police tightened its police on unannounced entries in November 2020, months after George Floyd was killed by Officer Derek Chauvin, but it stopped short of banning them altogether. The policy requires officers to announce themselves prior to crossing the threshold of the door into the residence or building and to give announcements periodically throughout. St. Paul Police Department has not utilized the more risky no-knock warrant since 2016, said the department spokesperson Steve Linders. The initial search warrant is based on how we handle things, Linders said. And then we talked to our partners, the other agency, and of course, during that discussion, they make their desires clear, and then we readjust. A Minneapolis police spokesperson and attorneys representing Locke's family did not immediately respond to requests for commitment or for comment. Locke's cousin, Mahik Speed lived in the same Minneapolis apartment building and has been arrested and charged by prosecutors with two counts of murder in the January 10th fatal shooting of Otis Rodney Elder, who was 38. The suspects were attempting to rob Elder when he was shot inside his vehicle, according to the police. Elder's partner, Princess Evans, 27, said he was targeted and his death has been swept under the rug amidst the attention of the Locks killing. Evans said Elder was a devoted father of four and has recently started his own business. I'm upset with the justice system because they failed everyone, she said. There's two broken families right now. Yeah, there's two broken families right now. She's absolutely right. The article continues to read, The incident unfolded in less than 10 seconds according to body camera footage released by Minneapolis Police Department. At 6.48 a.m., officers used a key to enter their apartment, yelling police search warrant as they walked through the door. A jumble of voices screamed different locations at Locke, who was spotted sleep asleep and wrapped in a white comforter on the couch. One officer kicks the couch as others appear to yell words such as, Hands, get on the ground and show me your hands. Locke's head peeks out of the, out of the comforter as does the barrel of a gun and is in still frame. You can see his fingers against the barrel, but off the trigger before three gunshots fired by Minneapolis police officer Mark Henneman can be heard. Locke, who was struck twice in the chest and one in the wrist, later died at a hospital. Henneman has been placed on administrative leave, well, paid administrative leave. It's really tragic because I find no fault in him, Locke 
other than it's a startle response waking up in the middle of the night and he has a gun, said retired Los Angeles Police Sergeant Lou Salceda, a defense tactics trainer. Locke, who may have thought there was some home invasion going on, really hasn't done anything wrong. You're going to wake up and your heart is going to be pounding through your shirt that you're trying to think from asleep. Salceda said, if you haven't practiced and thought about and planned on it, by the time you get to your reaction, then it's over. Calls to plan the use of no-knock warrants grew after Breonna Taylor was killed by police during a 2020 raid on her home in Louisville, Kentucky. See? No-knock raids should be quitted. You guys, you guys know better. I've seen the video of this. I've seen the still when they stop right at, they get to lock, and you just hear the gunshots go off. Once you see the video, you see them put the key in, they quickly open the door, and they quickly rush in, and you just hear them yell out a lot of things, and you being sleepy, dog? Dog, have you ever been asleep, and you see, hear somebody just rush through your, not even rush through your door, you just hear people yelling? You get up, and you are trying to wipe everything out your eye, you are dazed and confused, dog. You are trying to figure out why are people yelling? I know that, because dude, if you, Matter of fact, everybody should know that because you had a mom and dad or you had siblings and you were sleeping or taking a nap and somebody just out the blue just started yelling. You are questioning everything around you saying, by God, why is somebody yelling? And for Locke, he just happened to have be at the wrong place, wrong time. Matter of fact, no, he was at the right place. But by God, cops have to be there at the wrong time. He was just asleep and he is dead now, man. That is unfortunate dog because you were looking for somebody else you guys was looking you guys were the officers were looking for somebody else but you end up curing killing amir lock a 22 year old and do you see how what the pattern is going with this as i've been stating this we had a, a navy guy that wanted to be a seal who's 24 and is now dead we had just talked about a truck driver well a hertz driver who was 24 getting shot at by white dudes. And now I'm talking about Amir Locke, who was 22, dying over police officers coming in, basically kayao, shooting him as he was getting himself, waking himself up from a sleep, and he just happened to have a gun in his hand. Dog, I said this a couple weeks ago. Whenever I talked about a guy that was on, like, one of the roads and he was sitting there, there's no reason for a lot of officers to have their gun out. There's not a lot of reasons. One could have their gun out. One. Everybody else can have taser guns. Dog, it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult at all. You can have taser guns. Just shoot it out and just have them being tasered if you feel that afraid. Oh, my God. He... This guy, Amir Locke, still should be here. So first of all, before I continue on, I want to wish the Amir Locke family a lot of condolences because, boy, oh, boy, you guys are dealing with a loss that should have never happened. It's all because police officers are always too gun-ready, putting their hand on the trigger, ready to shoot off on somebody. It makes no sense to me. It will never make sense to me. How are we just cool with people just shooting somebody up and they don't have no right sense of mind to start shooting up. If we're really going to be honest about it, there is no right frame of mind. Seriously. What right frame of mind do they got? Oh, we're afraid. 
Well, yeah, you put a badge on, you go out there, you kind of know your job. What are what do you think is going to happen when you're a police officer? You think it will be bubblegum and sugar and fairy dust? No, dog, you know what it is to be putting a badge on. What, what are we doing? You guys are putting your life on the line every day. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, you're going to be thinking about, listen, I want to go home, so I'm thinking about just start popping cap off at everybody. That's not the way of a police officer. That's not that's not the thing. You guys, in a way, in real life, technically, and it's crazy to say this, you guys are technically supposed to be Batman in the situation. You guys are supposed to take in somebody and put them to jail. That's all you're supposed to do. You're supposed to catch them, put them to jail. No deaths are supposed to come in your direction. No deaths. Some of you guys are going to shoot somebody, obviously, if they're going to do that for self-defense. Obviously. But there is no way. This right here, this Amir Lock situation, there is no way. You guys had a search warrant, and then you had a no-knock uh, search warrant. You guys could have went with either one, but you guys went with the no-knock search warrant. You put the key in. Somehow, I never heard of police officers having a key to an apartment and able to just pop it in and doing everything. I've heard of them kicking doors down and, like, toot-toot, everything else. I've heard of all that stuff. I've never heard of a officer having a key, putting it in to your door and just being able to open it up and then start rushing in crazy. I never heard of that. This was the first time I've ever seen it on video. The first time I've ever heard about it. It's just weird to me just seeing that. And it's weird to me just reading all this type of stuff and looking at it. And now this is the first time I've heard of like the dude actually shooting him. He's on desk duty. This must have happened just this week because earlier this week I was looking at it and I didn't see nothing about it. the guy being on administrative leave, no nothing. So this must have just recently happened. So it's just, it's weird. It's weird to me. This goes on with the topics. They don't care about us. Black individuals, we just, they, they don't care about us. It's simple. It's easy to say it. It's crazy that I have to say this every time. It's what it is. I think black America knows this. I think black people know this. I think the rest of America knows this. I think that everybody knows that police officers don't care about black people. Yes, I would like for it to change. Yes, I would like for the status quo to change. And yes, do I think there's some officers on the police force trying to be the best that they can be? Yes. However, it's never going to change. It isn't going to happen. Police officers are always going to be public enemy number one to uh, black America. It is what it is. Black America knows it, and I think that the world knows it too. So let's just continue on with our uh, situation as it is. Now on to something at least a little bit more happy, at least for me. I want to read you something from NPR.org, uh, and it has on their uh, topic, well, article here. It reads, Snoop Dogg now owns Death Road Records. The article reads, Snoop Dogg has taken over a popular record label that launched his stellar career. The rap mogul acquired Death Row Records brand from N, well, MNRK Music Group, which is controlled by a private equity fund managed by Blackstone, the investment firm announced Wednesday the terms of the deal were not disclosed. Snoop Dogg says he's excited about acquiring the label's brand. I am thrilled and appreciative of the opportunity to acquire the iconic and culturally significant 
Death Row Records brand, which has immense, well, immense untapped future value, the 50-year-old Snoop Dogg said in a statement. It feels good to have ownership of the label I was part of at the beginning of my career, and as one of the founding members, this is an extremely meaningful moment for me. Snoop Dogg found his springboard to success during the 1990s while on Death Row Records, the label was founded in 1992 by Dr. Dre, Shug Knight, the DOC, and Dick Jeffrey in the imminent aftermath of the breakup of N.W.A. Congratulations to Snoop Dogg for having Death Row. It's a great thing. Did you want to know why? Now, he's going to pop out with a whole lot of Death Row merch. I have a feeling he's going to pop out with a big old Death Row chain at the Super Bowl this, well, tonight. I have a feeling that he's going to be wearing a whole lot of Death Row uh, apparel. I have a feeling he's probably going to give some Death Row apparel to Dr. Dre, and Dr. Dre is going to be wearing it. I have a feeling that uh, Kendrick Lamar is probably going to be wearing some Death Row apparel at the Super Bowl tonight. I mean, I just feel that Snoop Dogg is going to be decked down in Death Row stuff, and I think they're just having Snoop Dogg be the face of Death Row is kind of the best thing because if we're going to be honest, I think if Tupac was around, yeah, he'll be the face of Death Row because everybody considers his whole lasting his career with Death Row. And Snoop Dogg more is affiliated with the West Coast and Death Row is a part of the West Coast history in hip hop. So, I mean, it is what it is. If it wasn't going to be Tupac, since Tupac's not around, it was either going to be Snoop Dogg or Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre is like the third front runner. Snoop Dogg's probably like the second. You could have put both Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg as like the front runners of it, but I but in my top rankings is Tupac, Snoop, Dre. No disrespect to any of them, but that's just my ranking for how I view Death Row Records with their artists in my memory and my looking back at the classics and how people, even music historians, rappers, talk about Death Row. It's kind of like those three always at the top of that situation. But again, congratulations to Snoop Dogg for owning Death Row Records. It's Black History Month. He acquired it during Black History Month. It is a great thing. Congratulations to Snoop Dogg. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I want to give you guys this as well. This is coming from CBS Denver. First black female captain paving way for future aviators. As it reads, as Coloridians celebrate Black History Month, a trailblazer among black aviators is working to make sure more young black Coloradians have the opportunity to take to the skies. United Airlines Captain Melis Ward, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, a Denver resident said she is working with her employer to make sure those in marginalized communities can access a future in the airline industry. In 1998, I became the first black woman to become captain at United Airlines, Ward said. Ward was not only the first black woman to become a captain for the United, but she was also the first black woman captain for any commercial airline in the United States. However, even nearly 25 years after she made the historic move to become a captain, there are few black women working as pilots in the profession. There is incredible room for growth for African Americans in the aviation industry, Ward told CBS Four's Dylan Thomas. United Airlines currently employs more than 14,000 pilots. Less than 2,000 of those pilots are either women or racial 
minorities, Ward said. For young women and minorities, that opportunity is not there because there was no one ahead of them. So what we have to do is create those pathways. Ward said a majority of pilots come from families with roots in the aviation world. The profession has been dominated by white men for so many years that the profession tends to cycle through the same families. Ward did not come from an aviation background. She grew up near Chicago and eventually went to school in California on scholarship through the ROTC. After joining the military, Ward was exposed to aviation and fell into becoming a pilot. Without the exposure to the skies for the military, Ward says she isn't sure if she would have become a pilot. To make sure other blood, young black girls consider the possibilities of becoming a pilot one day, Ward is now working with United Airlines and is now and their newly developed Aviate Academy. The Aviate Academy was created by United to give more people from more diverse backgrounds the opportunity to learn about flying. CBS 4's Dylan Thomas interviewed Captain Meles Ward. It really does create a pathway for those that would have never had that opportunity in the first place, Ward said. We have to give some deference to people who normally would not have that opportunity, whether it's because of exposure of Financial ability, we have to give we have to get young black girls interested in flying. War said her company's recent commitment to broaden their reach to minority communities is the best for the industry as a whole. Maybe I won't be just a story anymore because black female black women pilots will become more common, Ward said. In the spirit of Black History Month, where we are looking to the past of the Tuskegee Airmen and Betsy Coleman. I will also say look to the future because it is you. The future is any black child that wants to be a pilot. You can do it, and we are here to help you find that path. See, being a pilot is a nice thing because, you know, you got control in the air. You get to fly above a lot of places, fly above a lot of states, a lot of countries if you're going, like, way over into other country spots. But just being in the air is a... It's different. So, first and foremost, I want to say I want to congratulate Miss Melissa Ward. Again, I am sorry if I'm butchering your name, and I don't ever mean to put no disrespect to your name, but you are paving a way for, paving a way for a lot of young uh, black females or even black men or just black children in general just to get the idea in the head. You know, I want to be a pilot. I want to fly a plane. I want to fly, just fly in my like later years, you're giving them the opportunity. You're giving people, hey, this is the type of school you can go to. Here's the blueprint. A lot of people don't know these type of things, and a lot of these stories never ever reach uh, a lot of places. So a lot of adults won't get to hear about it, and a lot of teenagers and people that think about flying won't get to know about these type of things. But I'm glad you're starting to put that initiative out there. You're starting to be the one to, hey, yo, let's do this. Let's try to make uh, it better for the black community, for people that are in uh, minority communities. It's a, it's a great thing. It's nothing to look down upon. It's always a great thing to try to bring about the knowledge to people that might not think about it. There are people that might say, you know what? I don't have the money for this, or uh, how do I even begin to do this type of thing? Listen, there's now a program for it. Apparently, United is starting it. And with Miss Melissa Ward being in the forefront, this is going to give a lot of black children the opportunity to fly and give them the dreams to fly. It's 
it's crazy because you know what? When you're on the airport, when you're in the airplane, because I just started recently going on airplanes after <laughs> mad years of never going on airplanes and always being afraid of heights. I started looking outside of the windows whenever I'm on an airplane, if I'm next to the windows. I look outside the planes because obviously, here's my little thing. If they happen to crash, I want to know where we're going to be going down. And think of an idea like, okay, maybe I could probably jump out and probably with something. I don't know. I'm always thinking about something probably insane, but that's just how I'm able to cope with my own head here. But anyway, getting back to reality. Looking outside and seeing everything, seeing what you're flying over, seeing all these things that just look so small when you're in the sky, but when you're on the ground, it looks so big. It's a big culture shock. It is a big shock just in general, because again, you don't think about these type of things when you're on the ground. You're just driving and you go past the trees and you're going on these bridges and you only see what you can't see from the your eyes view. But when you're in the sky, the eyes of the bird, if you will, you see the world in a completely different way. You get to see it like almost on a map, the way you would see when you look at a map. You can see all these big planes of water, these big towers, these big, these roads where all these cars look like ants. I mean, it's astounding. So I only can imagine what you are feeling when you're manning or womaning the plane itself and you're literally having to be the ones to be in control of the plane. That seems like a terrifying job to have but certain people are able to take care of that certain people are able to be in those positions and do those jobs and they're able to handle it and Miss Ward wants to give that opportunity to a lot of underprivileged uh minorities communities it's a great thing I want to continuously say that and I want to continuously say thank you to her for starting that and bringing that up to everybody's attention so again if you have any uh, interest into going into this type of field, I would just say research United uh, Air Airlines and see how they can see how you can do it. Because if she's starting this program, I would say just look into it. That's all I could say for that. Now, before I get you guys out of here, fellas and ladies, because, again, I do not discriminate on Valentine's Day. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, a.k.a. Doomsday City. If you do not have something for your loved one, if your loved one desires flowers, please, for the love of God, try to find some flowers. For the love of God, I understand you might not get the best, but try to get about a good three or four, pick out the flowers that are great in those and make a bundle of them and just, voila, do something. Get a necklace, get a ring, get something, get a special card, make a card, do something. Find something that you can give to your loved one to let them know that you actually appreciate them. Do not make them feel like they are worth nothing. For the love of God, again, it's Valentine's Day. It's to show your appreciation to your loved one, the one that has been holding you down or the one that has been giving you all these encouraging feelings, these encouraging uh, words to you. I mean, just give love back to the ones that has been giving love back to you throughout your times of good and bad, all these type of thing. Please, please just do something for your loved ones on Valentine's Day and make them feel special. That's all the Valentine's Day really cared about. Make that person feel special 
because you know what? They deserve it because guess what? That's what Valentine's Day is truly all about. And again, I don't care who you are. I don't want to see it on social media. I personally, in my heart of hearts, feel that Valentine's Day is about you and your special someone. That day is for you too. It should not be posted up on social media for everybody to be to get into a contest because let me tell you something, whether you know it or not, I don't care who you are. Couples are competing on Valentine's Day to see who got the better Valentine's Day. That's exactly what it is. It's a nasty sport. It's a nasty thing. I have seen it. It's not It's not appealing to me. It's not cool to me. But hey, you guys do what you want. I'm just telling you, listen, I would rather you guys just uh keep that to yourself. Keep that Valentine's Day gift in y'all special time to yourselves. And uh, just enjoy it with each other, you and your loved ones. Now, all that being said, let me get you guys out of here. You can find me at uh, Twitter at my two podcasts, Instagram my two cents podcast G two, my email where you can email me. Whether you're happy, sad, you're going to email me about something that I missed that I didn't cover, anything of that type of magnitude. My email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com. I want to give. Uh, shout outs to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Audible, and Amazon Music. These uh, <laughs> podcast stations allow me to do what I want, say what I want, when it just allow me to be me. They know that I'm not out here to be malicious, they're not, I'm not out here to be foul. It's just, yo, they allow me to be me, and I really do appreciate them so much. I really do. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, it's Black History Month. Please do not forget that. And my black people, I want to say this to you. If you think that we should not be celebrating Black History Month, keep that to yourself. I think that we need to be letting the world know that, ayo, black people are awesome. You need to look at the total pull of how black people are viewed in America and viewed personally in the world. I don't think we're viewed that highly, even though in certain people's eyes, they're going to say, oh my god, black people are treated so well, they're treated so great. Listen, when you really look at it, you know, we're kind of at the bottom of the total pole, dog. Let's call a spade a spade. It is what it is. So us having Black History Month, yo, we need to keep that going. We need to keep that around. People might say, yo, we need to get rid of it. No, 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 no. I'm 100% fully down with keeping Black History Month. That's always my thing. If you feel like you shouldn't have Black History Month, keep that to yourself. I'm just going to be blunt with you. Keep that to yourself. Black History Month needs to be around and stay around. Now, with all that being said, always remember. I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. I do love you all. Don't let that rant get to you just because I said keep that Black History Month stuff hate to yourself and saying that you don't want it. Keep that to yourself. I really do mean that. Keep that to yourself. But I do love you. Always remember that. Okay? This has been My Two Cents Podcast presented by G2. He is I and I am him. This is a goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again. I love you all. Please have a good, safe week. Please have a good Valentine's Day tomorrow. Ladies, men, keep that stuff off the internet. Again, it's a special time for you and your uh, lady, your guy, whoever you are with. And with that all being said, please be safe. I do love you all. I do love you all. Please, again, for the love of God, be safe this week and now with all that being said kanye can you please take these people home i'm tired you tired uh-huh. jesus wept uh-huh.